You're listening to Comedy Central. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of smoking audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. November 18, 2019. From Comedy Central's World News Headquarters in New York, this is The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. tonight is a billionaire and an activist who's now running for president of the United States. Tom Steyer is going to be joining us, everybody. <laughs> also on tonight's show, the royal family has a new scandal to deal with. Mike Bloomberg apologizes to black people and the real reason President Trump was in the hospital. So let's catch up <laughs> on today's headlines. <laughs> let's start with the international news that's blowing up all over the world. Ever since Jeffrey Epstein was arrested and killed himself in prison, all the men who ever associated with him have come under fire. No one more so than Prince Andrew, the one member of the royal family who everybody always forgets. (laughs) And this weekend, (laughs) Prince Andrew tried to defend his friendship with the convicted sex offender, and he gave the most royally out-of-touch defense we have ever heard. Prince Andrew speaking publicly for the first time about his relationship with now-deceased multimillionaire and convicted sex offender Jeffrey Epstein. Do I regret the fact that he has quite obviously conducted himself in a manner unbecoming? Yes. Unbecoming? He was a sex offender? Yeah. I'm sorry, I'm being polite. I'm in the sense that he was a sex offender. Wow. (laughs) First of all, I love British interviewers. She was like, I'm sorry, unbecoming... Secondly, that is the most generous description of sex offender I have ever heard. Conducted himself in a manner that is unbecoming. This dude probably calls slavery a cruise with a big misunderstanding. (laughs) You know what's funny about this whole story, right? This whole story is that, like, all the people around the royal family were so pissed when Meghan Markle joined, right? I don't know if you remember, like, they were like, she's undignified. She likes media attention too much. Oh, we can't have Meghan Markle join the family. And now they're like, Meghan, do you think you could get some media attention to distract from this, please? (laughs) And this interview only got worse because none of Prince Andrew's explanations made any sense. 
In 2008, Epstein was convicted of soliciting prostitution from a minor. In 2010, just months after Epstein's sentence ended, the prince was seen in this video obtained by the mail on Sunday, appearing in the doorway of Epstein's New York home. While he admits he stayed there for four days, he now says he came to end their friendship. But you were staying at the house of yes. a convicted sex offender. It was a convenient place to stay. It was a convenient place to stay. I think there are more convenient places than a sex offender's house. And also, really, this dude is gonna say the only reason he stayed at Epstein's house for four days is so that he could end their friendship? For starters, you don't go to someone's house to end a friendship. You just call them and ask them to pick you up from the airport, and then you never hear from them again, right? <laughs> That's it. Also, even if you are breaking up with your friend, it doesn't take four days. Right. What was the schedule for that like? Monday, tell Jeffrey to never speak to me again. <laughs> Tuesday, don't make yesterday's mistake of playing PS4 with Jeffrey on his big screen TV. <laughs> Wednesday, okay, make sure you talk to Jeffrey before he lets you ride his motorcycle through the house. <laughs> Thursday, Jeffrey's a cool dude, I'm staying. <laughs> so thanks to the Prince's interview, what was meant to be damage control has now turned into complete chaos for the royal family. Yeah, and I bet wherever the queen is right now, she's like, I knew I should have killed him instead of Diana. <laughs> All right, let's move on to another international story. Every year around Halloween, Americans brace themselves for stories about white people who want to be way more tan than they should be. But as we've learned recently, other countries in the world also deal with blackface and brownface scandals. I mean, just recently, Canada learned that they've already elected their first prime minister of color. They just didn't know. <laughs> and now, as we approach the Christmas season, the Netherlands is once again embroiled in their own blackface debate around Santa's Dutch magical helper, Black Pete. Anti-racism campaigners held protests throughout Holland on Saturday as the Dutch celebrated the arrival of Saint Nicholas and his traditional yet controversial companion, Black Pete. Black Pete is usually portrayed by white people in black face paint, wearing frizzy wigs and red lipstick. It is criticized for being racist. We think that Sinterklaas is a party for the people and that it should stay the way it is. That is why we are here. We want Schwarte Piet to stay black. This should not be a political affair, but just a nice party for all the people. Uh, okay. In case you're confused, here's what's going on. In the Netherlands, they have Santa, right? Just like everyone else. But they also have a character named Black Pete, a magical, magical helper who rolls with Santa Claus. And how it works is if kids are nice, Santa gives them presents, but if kids are naughty, Black Pete whips their ass. <laughs> Which you have to admit really raises the stakes for Dutch kids. <laughs> right? Imagine being a kid waiting up to hear Santa and his reindeer land on the roof, and then you look out your window and then this is a black dude with a baseball bat out there. <laughs> Just like, hey man, you should have cleaned your room, Cody. You should have cleaned your room. Now, here's what I think is weird about Black Pete in this debate. Some people in the Netherlands say that Black Pete isn't blackface. He's just black because he slides down the chimney and he gets the soot all over him, right? I'm like, okay, I'm willing to accept that explanation, but then answer me this. Why does he come down with an afro and red lips? What's happening in that <laughs> chimney, huh? And also, how come Santa doesn't also come down covered in soot? Clearly what's happening is that Pete goes down the chimney, opens the front door for Santa, and Santa's like, yeah, you've got to break in. I've got priors, man. I don't want to go back to jail. <laughs> All right, well, that's, uh, that's it for the news. Let's move on to another elf-like creature with a bad reputation among black people. Former New York City Mayor Michael Bloomberg. <laughs> Bloomberg is thinking very seriously about getting into the Democratic primary. And you know he's serious because he's starting to do things he swore he never would. 
Former New York City Mayor Michael Bloomberg, he's criticized his potential rivals for apologizing too much for their pasts. Joe Biden went out and apologized for being male, over 50, white, Beto, whatever his name yeah. is. He's apologized for being born. <laughs> but today, in a speech at a predominantly black church in Brooklyn, Bloomberg with his own apology, saying he regrets his controversial stop and frisk policy, a policy he defended for years. I now see that we could and should have acted sooner and acted faster to cut the stops. I wish we had. I'm sorry that we didn't. Yep. Over the weekend, Michael Bloomberg apologized for stop and frisk at a black church in Brooklyn. And there were two things he did not pull off, the apology and that church hat. And <laughs> Bloomberg is lucky that he didn't have to stay for the full service because black church goes on forever. Yeah, good luck running in 2020. That service doesn't end until 2021. They would have just kept him there. <laughs> you know what's also fascinating to me? Is that Michael Bloomberg has repeatedly been asked about stop and frisk for 10 years. And every year, every year he stood by it. Yeah, but now, now that he's about to run for president, all of a sudden he sees the error of his ways I mean, either Bloomberg is pandering, or maybe there's something magical that happens to you when you run for president. It just makes you re-examine your life. Yeah, maybe we should all run for president just to become better human beings. Just come out like, hey, baby, now that I'm running for president, I realize that having a secret family is not the right thing to do. <laughs> and so they're gonna be moving in with us. Vote for me, 2020. <laughs> all right, that's it for the headlines. Let's move on to our top story. <laughs> We're now just... 350 days away from the 2020 presidential election. And as the big day approaches, people are scrutinizing the front runners more than ever. Their policies, how they eat fried food, and of course, their age. You realize right now, the four biggest contenders have a combined age of 297 years old. <laughs> well, 299 if you include Buttigieg. Now, while Bernie was recovering from a heart attack and Biden was fighting the narrative of memory, memory loss, Trump has been impervious to the age discussion because despite his lifestyle, Trump has been freakishly healthy, never needing to even see a doctor. Until now. Questions are being raised after an unconventional visit by President Trump to Walter Reed Medical Center. The White House insists it was for an annual physical, but it came less than a year after the last one and did not follow protocol. The way in which this visit took place was unusual. The White House did not announce uh, the president's uh, plans to go to Walter Reed ahead of time. The White House says the president is taking advantage of a free weekend in Washington overnight. President Trump also tweeting that this is just phase one of his physical. He will continue it next year. Yes, this weekend, President Trump made a surprise visit to the hospital and nobody knows why. Was it a health emergency or did he need to get a marble removed from his nose again? We don't know. <laughs> and this story became super suspicious when Trump tweeted he just popped into the hospital to do phase one of his annual physical. That's, that's not a thing. Like, that's not a thing. Nobody breaks their annual physical into phases. <laughs> that's not a thing. You're not like, yeah, today we can just cup the balls and then in March I'll come back and cough. Now, because no one trusts this White House, everyone is wildly speculating about what actually happened. Did Trump have a heart problem or a stroke? And if he did have a stroke, how would you even be able to tell? <laughs> yeah. No, because the symptoms of a stroke are slurred speech, confusion, and erratic behavior. For Trump, that's a Tuesday. <laughs> we wouldn't know. In fact, 
In fact, if Trump ever starts speaking normally, that's when Melania should call 911. <laughs> to be like, hello, ambulance, something is wrong with my husband. He just finished a crossword puzzle. Please send help. <laughs> and even if Trump is lying about the physical, that doesn't mean something major is going on. Right? But we also know that if something was horribly wrong with Trump, the White House would just pretend like everything was normal. Like, Trump could come back with both arms amputated, and his press secretary would come out like, uh, this was just a standard checkup. The president's arms have always been brooms. He uses them to clean up Washington, D.C. <laughs> so, look, I don't know what happened with Trump, but judging by this weekend's news, it wouldn't be surprising if he had a panic attack. Because during the impeachment hearings last week, you may remember we learned about a call at a restaurant between Trump and an EU ambassador, Gordon Sondland. Well, now, a diplomat who overheard that call is spilling all the beans to Congress. NBC News obtained a copy of David Holmes' opening statement. Here's part of what he said, quote, while Ambassador Sondland's phone was not on speakerphone, I could hear the president's voice through the earpiece of the phone. I then heard President Trump ask, so he's gonna do the investigation? Ambassador Sondland replied that he's gonna do it, adding that President Zelensky will do anything you ask him to. President's voice was very loud and recognizable, and Ambassador Sondland held the phone away from his ear for a period of time. <laughs> yeah, that's right. David Holmes testified to Congress that he overheard a call where Trump explicitly asked for Ukraine to dig up dirt on Joe Biden. And the diplomat overheard this conversation not because Trump was on speakerphone, but because Trump is a human speakerphone. <laughs> and he's like, I'm calling about the criminal conspiracy. You know what? I can't hear you. Let's switch to speaker. I'm calling about the criminal conspiracy. <laughs> so Trump talking investigations on the call with Sondland looks pretty bad. What's even worse is that after the call, and this is crazy, after the call, Sondland recaps what just happened for everyone at the table like an episode of White House Talking Dead. Ambassador Sondland agreed that the president did not give a about Ukraine. I asked why not. And Ambassador Sondland stated that the president only cares about big stuff. I noted there was big stuff going on in Ukraine, like a war with Russia. And Ambassador Sondland replied that he meant big stuff that benefits the president, like the Biden investigation that Mr. Giuliani was pushing. Seriously? He gets off the call and then lays out the plan for everyone at the table? Was he trying to get busted? Like, what did he do next? Just jump into a plane and write, Trump wants dirt on Joe Biden in the sky? <laughs> so, there are a lot of damning details in this testimony, but my favorite part, my favorite part, was when Sondland talked about just how much the president of Ukraine was willing to help Trump. I heard President Trump then clarify Ambassador Sondland was in Ukraine. Ambassador Sondland replied, yes, he was in Ukraine, went on to state, President Zelensky loves your ass. Oh, okay. <laughs> Zelensky loves Trump's ass. <laughs> A few days ago, Fox News was saying impeachment wasn't sexy enough. Now we got ass plates. <laughs> so with this new information, Wednesday's public hearing with Gordon Sondland is bound to be amazing. Because you know they're gonna have to ask him about this in the hearings. It's gonna be like, uh, Mr. Sondland, does Zelensky really love Trump's ass? Be like, oh, that's correct. He likes big butts and I cannot lie to Congress. <laughs> but you know what? This all makes sense now. Yeah, we all thought Trump's leverage over Ukraine was military aid. Turns out it's dead ass. <laughs> yeah, so maybe Trump didn't go to hospital because he was sick. Maybe he was just getting some cosmetic surgery that would convince Zelensky to give him that dirt on Joe Biden. <laughs> we'll be right back. 
Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Now I'd like to introduce you to Meaningful Beauty, the famed skincare brand created by iconic supermodel Cindy Crawford. It's her secret to absolutely gorgeous skin. Meaningful Beauty makes powerful and effective skincare simple, and it's loved by millions of women. It's formulated for all ages and all skin tones and types, and it's designed to work as a complete skincare system, leaving your skin feeling soft, smooth, and nourished. I recommend starting with Cindy's full regimen, which contains all five of her best-selling products, including the amazing Youth Activating Melon. Serum. This next generation serum has the power of melon leaf stem cell technology. It's melon leaf stem cells encapsulated for freshness and released onto the skin to support a visible reduction in the appearance of wrinkles. With thousands of glowing five-star reviews, why not give it a try? Subscribe today and you can get the amazing Meaningful Beauty system for just $49.95. That includes our introductory five-piece system, free gifts, free shipping, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. All of that available at MeaningfulBeauty.com. is a billionaire investor, a philanthropist, and a liberal activist who is running for president of the United States. Please welcome Tom Steyer. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. And welcome to the Democratic primaries. As a billionaire, your net worth is public. So you're worth $1.6 billion, reportedly. Um, Bloomberg is considering entering the race, and I see here he is worth an estimated uh, $52 billion. Does, does that make you feel broke? <laughs> <laughs> what I've said is, if Mr. Bloomberg wants to be the Democratic representative in the presidential election, then he should do what I d- did a year ago, which is to say, we need a wealth tax to overcome some of the inequity that's grown in this country over the last four decades. If he wants to represent the Democrats in this country, wow. he's got he's to step up to the reality of what's been happening in this country and be on the right side. So are you saying that you would be for an idea that, like, Elizabeth Warren has been proposing? In fact, you proposed it earlier than everyone, if I remember correctly. You spoke about a wealth tax. Over a year ago. Right, over a year ago. You said that the wealthiest Americans should get taxed on their wealth. Yes, right. But now, there, there are many people who might say, Tom, that's unfair. If I've paid taxes on something, I've paid taxes, how can you tax me now on my wealth? How is that fair to Americans who believe in saving money? Look, we've seen over the last 40 years that the income has gone disproportionately, overwhelmingly to the richest Americans and the biggest corporations. And it's even worse when it comes to assets. 
So there's been a reallocation of wealth in this society that's been dramatic and unnoticed for 40 years. A wealth tax is some way of trying to redress part of that. Right. To say this inequity is completely unfair, unacceptable, unjust, undemocratic, and we need to address it and get back to the idea that it's one country. When everybody goes up, everybody goes up, not just the people at the top. That's an interesting... Um... It's, it's, an, it's an interesting policy, uh, you know, proposal to have, especially as a billionaire. Like, I'm, I'm fascinated as to how you came to that conclusion. I mean, everyone says the wealthy just get wealthy. Like, how did you... Did you just look at your bank balance one day and like, oh, <laughs> shit, I've got all of it. <laughs> like, it is, it is a journey that you've been on, Let becoming say, very I mean, rich. Jennifer, but like, I, I don't know if you know this, but I took a pledge over 10 years ago to yes. say I'll give more than half my money to good causes while I'm alive. Oh, wow. Okay. It's, it's the giving pledge. But I did it to say, look, I'm an American. I want America to do really well, and yes. I want to be part of the, that group. But I don't want to do... I don't consider it a success if I do really well and no one else in America does well. That's a failure as far as I'm concerned. As far as I'm concerned, when we go up, we all go up. Right. And if we're not all going up, then actually that's not a success. And that's the story of America for the last 40 years. It looks as if... the Economy's grown, but it's been all gone to the richest people and the biggest corporations. That's not a success. That is not fair. And if you go around the United States, which I've done full-time for seven years and talk Uh to people, you can see there have been cruel policies. I mean, people talk about it in these academic ways. It's not academic when you say, I'm going to cut my taxes and you're not going to get the meds you need to live. That's it. They try and make it more complicated. I mean... It's not complicated when someone says, I'm going to cut my taxes and now you can't go to school. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, they use academic terms. We all use four syllable words, but it's actually cruelty for money. That's what we've been seeing in the United States of America. Let me ask you this then, as a billionaire who has, I think, you know, been referred to as the single highest donor when it comes to democratic and liberal causes, um... Why do you think it's best for you to run for president then? You know, some, some have said, Tom, why not use your money to get progressive candidates in? Why don't you back the people because you have so much money? You can actually help get big money out of politics. Why not just do that? Why run yourself? Well, it's not an either-or, Trevor. You know, I started one of the largest grassroots organizations in the United States, Next Gen America. In 2018, we did the largest youth voter mobilization, that's a mouthful, I agree, in history. We went into 38 congressional districts. We specifically tried to engage and turn out people under 35. We Mm -hmm. more than doubled the turnout in those districts from four years before, and 33 of them flipped to Democratic. (laughs) We're still doing that. Right. My point is, it's not an either-or. Next Gen America, I'm not running it, but it keeps going. You know, I have a partnership with seven national labor unions to go door to door. We hit 15 million doors together in 2016. We hit 10 million doors together last year. That goes on. I'm not running it, but, you know, people who say, why don't you keep doing that? The answer is, I am. So let me ask you this then. Are you ever worried that you running in this race and you even doing well could perpetuate the notion that, like, only billionaires can fix America, only billionaires should run America. Because for a long time, America's elections and America's idea has been everyone can do this job, everyone can be a civil servant. But if you did well, it would seem like, okay, this is the realm of billionaires now. In fact, some would argue, by getting money out of politics, 
uh, without addressing how much money people can spend in politics, that favors people like yourself, Donald Trump, Michael Bloomberg, et cetera? Look, as far as I'm concerned, the key in this race is who can tell the truth about America? Who can tell the important differential truth and be trusted to make it happen? That is honestly why I'm running. That's why I got into the race in the first place, because mm -hmm. I felt like nobody's leveling with the American people about where we really are. So where do you think America really is? I think two things. One, I think this government's broken. In what it's way? It's been purchased by corporations. It isn't succeeding at all. It isn't even trying to serve the American people. If we want to get back to government of, by, and for the people, we're going to have to take it back from the corporations. We're going to have to break their stranglehold on the government. And That's so, what I believe. And so and are, you, are you talking about lobbying specifically here? Money, lobbying, and, and I'll give you an example of something where, look, people don't think about this in terms of corporations, but we've had decades of gun violence in this country that's off the charts. Almost every day we see a mass shooting, mm -hmm. but we also see domestic violence with guns. We see neighborhoods, people are scared to walk down the streets. And 60% of gun-related deaths are suicides. Over 90% of Americans have wanted mandatory background checks on every gun purchase for a long time. Democrats, Republicans, and independents, over 90%. And we've never gotten it. And the reason is, the NRA is controlled by the gun manufacturers, and they won't let it happen when 90% of Americans want it. You know, we can talk about drug pricing. We can talk about the Green New Deal. We can, go on, we can talk about education. We can go on and on and on. The American people are not being served. The corporations, in every one of these cases, it's perfect for the corporations. And the question is, how are we going to get back that government? Right. Who can you trust to really take them on? Look, I've been taking them on and beating them in coalition with ordinary American citizens for a decade. They're not that smart. <laughs> I mean it. We can beat them. But the question is, who's going to do it? Is it going to be an outsider like me who's been taking them on and beating them in coalition and building grassroots democracy? Or is it going to be someone inside the beltway? Look, I'm talking about a 12-year term limit for every congressperson and senator. There's no one else running for president who'll even discuss that. And why do you think that's so important? We need new blood. We need to get new people in. You know, we, we really do. If you look at the, the young people who come in, who came in in 2018, right. many of whom, when we flipped seats, we were bringing in a lot of young people, a lot more women, mm -hmm. a lot more diverse group of people. That, in order for that to happen, we have to have term limits. We have a broken Congress, and it's really, it's become, you know, kind of a lifetime appointment. Right. We can't have that. Look, I'm also talking about direct democracy. In 26 states, if you get enough signatures, you can put a law on the ballot. And if enough people vote for it, it becomes a law. Right. That takes away the monopoly of Congress. If Congress says, you know what, the NRA won't let us pass mandatory background checks mm -hmm. on gun purchases. Mm -hmm. We could put that on the ballot and pass it in a week. There's nothing they could do to stop Americans. You know, you have to ask yourself, if we have a broken government, right. who's, who do you trust? Do you trust the people or do you trust the people inside the beltway? And my whole experience of this country is, if you go around and talk to Americans, they're smart, they're compassionate, they're brave, they're trustworthy. The people get it right. That's my strong belief, and that's what I'm pushing for.
You sound like a man who's on a mission. Can I make one other point, Trevor? Oh, go ahead. Make, make your other point. Let's hear your the other point. The other thing is this. Look, for more than a decade, I've been a climate warrior. I know that we have to deal with this on day one of the next presidency. You mean fighting for the climate or against it? <laughs> I'm just clarifying. Touche. <laughs> it's my number one priority. Right. I'm the only person running who say, will say that. Number one priority, state of emergency on day one, use the emergency powers of the presidency, characterized by environmental justice, that you can't get the policy right unless you lead through the communities where the pollution is concentrated in our country, which is low-income, black and brown communities. That has to, we call it a justice-centered climate plan for over a decade. That's how I've pushed on climate. And lastly, it's got to be the number one thing you do internationally. If you don't do those three things, it isn't going to happen. If it's not number one, it's not going to get done. A man on a mission. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. Tom Steyer, everybody. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more more info now.